Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Skyler Timmons, joined always by my fellow partners in crime, uh, Mac Wilcox. Skyler might be a little bit tired. Uh, This is a midnight recording for us. We do these every so often. This one's later at night. And Skyler literally just got home after calling a baseball game by himself, man. So... If brother sounds tired today, it's because he was working all day while I was just playing GTA. <laughs> Fun stuff. We're also yeah, yeah. joined here by Evan Lang. How's it going, everybody? One of those weird podcasts uh, where I think actually for the first time we are recording while a game is in progress. So that's going to be interesting. Indeed. Which Get live updates three days later. It would be fun to do one of those live stream YouTube videos where it's the three of us but it's just reacting to the game that people can put on. One of these days, we'll figure that yeah, out. Yeah, I'd be, be down to do that. That sounds like a blast. Be Super like down. our Peyton Manning cast. <laughs> but, I love that. Because we're all brothers. That would be sweet. And then we get like guests to hop in and stuff. That'd be Dude, fun. I'm telling you, man. We'll coordinate this. And then we'll make, make it, it big and overtake John Boy Media. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's we're on goal. our way. <laughs> but... We've got plenty to talk about. Rockies baseball, as always, here to bring you all the action, discuss all kinds of stuff, crack some jokes. Should be a good time. Uh, But one of the first things I want to talk about is our good buddies, the Colorado Avalanche, are in the Stanley Cup Finals Mm. here. Currently up 1-0. Hopefully it's up 2-0 when this episode comes out. But uh, how happy are you guys with the Avalanche right now? It's amazing. I know Evan's going to go on a whole spiel because he's a huge Avalanche fan, which is fantastic. I'm from Chicago originally, and so I don't have the kind of same rooted love for the Avalanche that I think a lot of y'all do. But it's obviously great for the city. They have a storied history and storied franchise. I got here. I moved uh, to Colorado right when that sort of dynasty was finishing up. The Forsberg, Sackick, Hey Duke crew were kind of finishing things up in that last run. But obviously this uh, Avalanche team is dominant. They've had high expectations the last few seasons, and so to have them show up where they are now and be absolutely going off, uh, they are the best team in the NHL, and I think that they are going to have no problem taking home the Cup this season, and Nathan McKinnon will finally rightfully be recognized as, and I say this as a Blackhawks fan, but uh, he will rightly be recognized as the best player in the NHL. There you go. Fun stuff. (laughs) How about you, Evan? What do you say, Dog? I, man, I want I want this cup so bad, and the the first game of the series was really really good, 
I think this is, on paper at least, and in execution, it's one of the best Avs teams of pretty much franchise history in a bunch of different ways. And if we keep playing sharp, we can absolutely take home this cup, and I am all here for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wait, okay, real quick. Who's everyone's favorite all-time Avs player? Skylar, you first. Uh, Joe Sackick. Okay, nice. Good answer, safe answer, Evan. Peter Forsberg. Okay. Uh, both good picks. I would I would say Patrick Waugh or the guy that I liked when I first moved here was Dan Hynote. I just like <laughs> the way he played the game. I just think he's fun. Uh, Dan Hynote is... All. I forget which team he's with, cut. but he's a coach somewhere right now. He's like an assistant is he? head coach. Good for him. Glad to hear he's still around. I, I always thought he was really cool. Uh, honorable mention to the Duke, Milan Hayduke, one of my other favorite Definitely. players. Hedge Duck. Mm-hmm. Ian, Ian LaPerriere is my dad's favorite Avalanche player. Interesting choice. Avalanche podcast. There you go. No, no there's already a few Shameless plug for my brother's Every Avs Ever account on Twitter. Is it really your brother? Yeah, that's my older brother that does it. That's amazing. It's a family business. I love that. Indeed. Except he, he's he's all caught up on Avalanche players and has like I think he only has uh, Nordique players left. How long has he been doing it? Uh, probably like a month after I started, so like February or March he started. What? And he's already through all players. Yeah. You got to keep in mind NHL rosters are a lot smaller than baseball rosters. That's yeah, crazy. there's a lot less turnover. I feel like you've barely even scratched the surface of like every Rocky ever. I've actually caught up on every Rocky ever to every current Rocky that I haven't done. Minus, like, Larry Walker I still need to do. I'm blown away by that. Yeah, it's... That's so wild. Fun stuff. It is fun stuff. That's crazy. Anywho's enough about our little side projects. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hop into some Rocky's action here. Uh, it, it, this team's in a weird place yeah, right now. Uh, I think nobody would disagree with that it's been a really weird season after a typical wonderful april uh things have gone down downhill pretty fast uh there's struggles across the board and it's it seems like it's things that we've talked about year after year podcast after podcast where when pitching's good offense is bad when offense is good pitching is bad Mm. times both are bad (laughs) and just this enigma of things but I think something that keeps coming back that we kind of wanted to talk about in you know, an article from Nick Groke this week uh, in The Athletic talking about Yancy Almonte and kind of poking holes at some things with the Rockies system as a whole is that there's a fundamental problem here uh, in the Rockies organization, how they operate, how they develop, all these other things, attack the game. And so that's just kind of one of the, I think what we wanted to talk about is have this discussion you know, about what's going on with the Rockies, how can they fix things? How can they get back on track? You know, and maybe air our frustrations. You know, but more or less just kind of have this this conversation about you know, our team and the status that they're in. Specifically when it comes to a lackluster offense mm. and some pitching that has really struggled and continues to struggle developing in all that stuff. So I, I just kind of wanted to throw that out wherever you guys want to start. I know Evan, you're the you're you're the one that's really bringing this forward too, and we've had these conversations. No, so I, I just kind of want to open it up to you guys. Let's have a conversation about this stuff. No, the problems with the Rockies, help that they need, and some of the frustrations that we're seeing. I think I'll jump on this real quick, only because I know Evan has a really great breakdown of the hitting issue specifically. So before that, I'll jump in on the pitching a bit, and you use the words development, Skylar. I don't want to talk about that just a little bit. I'm going to preface this by saying, as I do with every one of these podcasts, like I have never been a major leaguer. I will never be a major leaguer. I have never been a player, a coach, a manager, any of that, right? So I have a very, very, very surface-level understanding of how this stuff works. However, the only thing I can speak to is the trend that I follow, right, and the trends that we can see. And... With some recent history aside, guys like, you know, Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland and Antonio Sensatello, who prior to the season had shown a lot of success, there is a pretty consistent history of the Rockies finding a young arm that has a lot of upside and not finding success in the Rockies system, and then they go somewhere else and they, you know, become an all-star or like at least a very solid 
you know, arm for an opposing team. Just off the very top of my head, not even having a list in front of me, but just like Drew Pomerantz has won a ring. Tyler Anderson just threw eight and a, th- and a third innings of a no-hitter and has been lights out for the Dodgers this season. You mentioned Yente Almonte in Nick Groke's article. Uh, Colin McHugh was excellent for the Houston Astros. Tyler Matzik was the most dominant reliever in the playoffs last season when the Braves won the World Series. Like, there are just all of these start and, and look, there's obviously other instances that are not true, right? John Gray struggling in Texas. Rex Brothers didn't really find a spot in the major leagues after leaving Colorado, all that. Like, I get that. But I'm just saying that there is consistently these examples of the pitching in Colorado being lackluster or being downright bad, no offense, and then they go somewhere else, then they go into a dis- different system, and they become great. And I don't know what that means. I- and I wish I could tell you that I have, like, you know, a theory or I have some sort of solution or something, and I obviously don't. I don't, you know, know why that would be true. All I'm going to say is that I don't think it happens to other teams as often as it does here. And I know that that's, like, easy to say as a Rockies fan who follows the Rockies as closely as I do and I don't, you know, spend the time looking into the histories and the systems of the Dodgers like I do Colorado, but I am just saying that it's a pretty consistent problem that they have. And, you know, even now, like this season, there was a significant change in the coaching staff, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I'm just saying that Herman Marquez, who has been a, you know, he was almost the start of the All-Star game last season, probably should have been, um, and Kyle Freeland, who has been very good, and Antonio Sensatello, who was very good and signed an extension, like, they are all struggling significantly this season. Significantly. You know, Chad Cool came in from another system, and he came in and has been lights out. Now, obviously, he struggled a little bit more recently, but in general, he's been the Rockies' best starter this season. A guy that, let's be honest, no hate, but he signed a one-year kind of show-me deal and I think we all kind of assumed it's going to be a fifth starter to eat some innings and hopefully just, you know, eat some innings, you know what I mean? And, and just be a replacement-level starter. And instead, this guy who was not built from the Rockies organization has been their best starter this season, pretty much without question. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for it. I don't know why that is. And I know it sounds really negative, and I'm not trying to be because I obviously love this team and I love the franchise and I have a lot of respect for all of these players. All I'm saying is that I don't know why this keeps happening, but it is apparent that something has got to change. Some sort of, you know, developmental change, some sort of, uh, you know, philosophical change in how they, you know, teach these guys to pitch at the major league level or something like that. More analytics wouldn't help. We've talked a lot about the Rockies having a very small analytical department. Maybe that's a difference maker. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you off the top of my head right now, but I do think that if we are going to continue to push the idea that the Rockies are not a farm system for the rest of baseball, right, which we've heard before, then we have to start doing better than that. We can't have a guy like Tyler Matzik struggle for years in Colorado, get a change of scenery in Atlanta, and suddenly become this absolute wipeout reliever. Or any other examples I mentioned. Or any other examples I didn't mention. Um... So that's, yeah, I I know that's a bit of a downer, and I know it just kind of sounds like complaining for the sake of complaining, but I promise it's not. I'm just trying to point out, like, what long history that, you know, the Rockies have in missing those guys. Mm -hmm. And that's not even getting into the hitting, is it, Evan? Uh, No, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to stay on pitching since we went into that so much. Yeah, let's keep going on this. Um, A big thing that really brought this up for me, Nick Groke of The Athletic wrote a fabulous article uh, about Yancy Almonte, uh, who you, you may recall Yancy Almonte. Uh, this was in collaboration with uh, Fabian Ardaya as well. Uh, Yancy Almonte, who was outrighted off the Rockies roster at the end of last season after posting a 7.55 ERA and just really not being good. It was his pre-arbitration year, so if he had stayed with the team, he would have hit arbitration. He pitched really poorly. He was outrighted off the team. And... He was holding out for a major league deal, but the Dodgers came to him with a minor league deal and said, we will make you better. And uh, former Rocky Jake McGee Mm. came out and and corroborated this with him, where he told him, it's like, they're going to teach you things that you never would have seen in Colorado. And that's exactly what they did, where they sat Yancey down in front of analytics and data and completely changed up 
how his pitching works based on that analytics, which is just not something the Rockies have. These tools that the Rockies don't use, don't have, mm-hmm. where Yento Monte had a terrible slider with the Rockies. And Daniel Bard actually taught him a horseshoe grip sweeping slider that he's been using to great effect in Los Angeles. And it was the Dodgers who said, go ahead and keep using that sweeping slider. Uh, Ditch the four-seam fastball, which isn't very good because you have low spin rate. Instead, look at a sinker. And the the sinker is, is really working well for him as well. And all this other stuff where they sat him down, they looked at data, they looked at film, they looked at evidence, and they actually changed what he was doing. And it's clearly paying dividends because he's got an ERA of like 1.15 right now with the Dodgers. And this was after a very short-lived stint uh, with AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers where he did really, really well and shut down basically everybody that came up against him. And so they, they brought him up, and now, of course, he's been great there. You know, we saw the same thing with Jake McGee, where Jake McGee left the Rockies, went to the Dodgers, and within, like, a week was pitching completely differently. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating because these are tools that the Rockies could invest in and use, and it's just not something they do. The Rockies are the, still have the smallest analytics team in all of Major League Baseball. They lost their director of research and development before the season even started, and that position still has not been filled. Uh, That posting is actually online. You can go and find that posting online right now. But it's one of the many issues that this team has where they're very much stuck in the past when it comes to analytics and data, and it's just not working. And then this is the same thing we see where these guys leave and other teams with better resources or more developed research and analytics staff fix it, change it, make things better. And, and these are things where, you know, maybe if the Rockies had invested more resources into this, they could have kept Yancey and made these changes with him. They could have focused on retooling Tyler Anderson's change up and making him the, the really strong pitcher we've seen him be with the Dodgers. They could have maybe avoided Tyler Motzik's uh, sort of downfall and then him having to reinvent himself with the Braves. And I get it's all a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas, sure. but that's just something that really is is grinding on me recently is that we're seeing this at least with the Rockies again and again and again and they don't address it they don't fix it and you know there's there's some other stuff I want to talk about on this front as well but first I'm going to throw things over to you Skyler and just like you know what are your opinions on on this that you know with analytics and development that there are fixes to be made when pitchers are struggling that the Rockies just seem to sort of ignore or not use yeah, so I think one of the, the roughest things in that article from Groke was when you know, the Dodgers ask Yancy Almonte, well, how familiar are you with this? I forget the name of it, but it's like this program, software, this company, technology, and whatnot that they use to kind of help you know, go through data, pinpoint what a pitcher's doing well, what they're not doing well, what works for them, and all this stuff. And when they ask Yancy Almonte about that he's like oh i've never heard of this <laughs> i just think of that well we've all been in those situations where you go to someplace new and like hey if you ever what do you know about this thing and you're like what <laughs> no it's probably the most condemning thing that you can see in that article and i think it goes back where the rockies just aren't with the times no for some reason i think the rockies themselves have given up trying to figure out exactly how to get better pitching at altitude no another thing in that article talking about their philosophy of oh just don't be afraid to pitch at altitude no don't be afraid and that's a part of it but they need to do the other part of it to give the pitchers confidence where they don't have to be afraid and i think that's a common theme we we see from players that leave the rockies is they find confidence in something they find confidence in themselves and where they can what they do well, what pitches work well, how they can be dominant. They find that confidence, and the Rockies just haven't been doing well developing that in guys. When your philosophy as an organization seems to always be just go out and play better, don't be scared, just do the same thing, just keep trying, 
that that doesn't work to a point. No, that can only take you so far of just saying play better. And I think when it comes to pitching, especially the Rockies, and I think we've heard this a lot, the Rockies should probably be the team that has the most money invested in analytics. Specifically when it comes to pitching and hitting. But it's primarily pitching because that is a big challenge. It is a big hurdle you have to face every year. And then if you want to make it to the playoffs and be a world championship team, you need to have dominant stellar pitching. Yep. No, we've seen that of guys that just have raw talent. Armand Marquez, Kyle Freeland, no, John Gray. These guys had pure raw talent, and I think this kind of goes into what you guys are talking about, is the Rockies have had trouble developing those guys further along in their career, where they kind of, this feels like they're just riding this high in their career, this pure potential, raw athleticism, young guns. But as they start to get older, you know, those skills, the league starts to figure them out, and the Rockies are just, well, throw their arms up and say, well, he just needs to keep playing better, keep trying, trust the process. Mm-hmm. And and that only takes you so far. And that's what's rough is that analytics, there's that developmental problem pitching-wise with the organization that they need to figure out. And like we say, beef out that pitching pitching analytics, that department. Do whatever you can. You know, for, call up uh, – any scientist you can think of, Bill Nye, the science guy, can he be our <laughs> analytics guy? <laughs> but and this isn't like some magical secret that just the Dodgers have. Mm-hmm. the The tool that they showed Almonte is a company called True Media that works using Statcast data, publicly available Statcast data, mm-hmm. to break down what is working and what isn't in a pitcher's arsenal. That is easily something that the Rockies could know about and utilize, and Yancey had never heard of it. And it also, and Mac, earlier you were like, oh, I don't want to you know, cast stones, point fingers, but I will, because I <laughs> think it also falls on, I, I'm going to preface this with, I think Buddy Black is a, is a good manager, great manager even, Agreed. but his coaching staff around him, I have never been particularly impressed with. And right now, our pitching coach, Daryl Scott, who, after two years of manning statistically the worst bullpen in baseball, was promoted to replace Steve Foster, who had been getting real dividends out of our rotation especially. Daryl Scott was promoted to uh, the main pitching coach. And there is something in this article from Nick Groke that is particularly damning when it comes to Daryl Scott, where... You know, uh, Yancey was, was worried about his arbitration year and how he wasn't performing really well. And Daryl Scott uh, is quoted as saying, you know, he was about to be in arbitration and honestly put so much pressure on himself. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's the mental aspect. Fine, that's something we can work on. We came out to spring training, says Scott, and I was just like, relax, man. And he was like, this is such an important year. I knew we were in trouble. I sat him down and I said... You can't worry about it. Just go and pitch like you've always done. And that is such a Rockies thing of don't worry about it. Just keep doing what you're doing. When what he was doing clearly wasn't working, he struggled so much in 2021 to the point where he was outrighted off the roster. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to Los Angeles who provide him with tools and coaching and things that he didn't even sniff with Colorado and he's now a confident, completely different pitcher. And that's such a frustrating thing, especially with Daryl Scott, because this is the man that we just put in charge of our entire pitching staff. And he's out there with a guy worried about his career, who's not doing particularly well going, Oh, just keep doing what you're doing. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's the big part is the hard thing seeing of this promotion of, a bigger problem with the Rockies is that they just stick with the same thing over and over again and expect different results. No, Daryl Scott, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I'm sure he does know his baseball stuff, but you see what's happened with the, with that bullpen the past two years, historically bad Rockies bullpens. Like, yeah, there's been some gems in there, but overall it's been bad. And then you've got, he moves up to the starting pitching staff and we see how they have struggled this year. 
No, they've had some good stints here and there. But overall, collectively, it's not been very good. Well, and when you talk about things that, you know, haven't worked and you're just kind of saying, let's keep it going. How about, <clears throat> excuse me, how about the unfortunate state of the Rockies offense? Um, they're, keep me honest here, guys, because I just saw this stat the other day and I forgot to pull it up in front of me before I started this podcast. But I believe that between 2020, 2021 and 2022, if the season were to end today, it would be the three worst offensive seasons in the Rockies history. I mean, like, something is not working. And listen, for those seasons, like, it's not like they're fielding AAA teams. Like, there are very good baseball players in the Rockies. You can say what you want. Anybody can say what they want about the Rockies' record and whether or not they are contender and all that. And that's valid, you know what I mean? Like, that's fine. The Rockies are probably not a contender in the state that they are in. But you can't tell me that they don't have talent on their big league roster. You know, Randall Gritchick is... Uh, you said it earlier today when we were all talking uh, early before on the podcast. We took a guy that has been a consistent fly ball hitter for his entire career, and he is now grounding uh, balls into the dirt more than he ever has in his career. At course, he plays half his games at altitude, and he's hitting more ground balls than ever. CJ Crone is a very, very good baseball player, and he's been slumping at certain points of the season. Obviously, you know, once you hear the how the game tonight went for him, you know, you'll think differently, but like CJ Crone has not been, you know, an all-star. He hasn't necessarily been like the MVP, but he's been solid for the Rockies. And even his numbers are not like spectacular. Ryan McMahon is slumping this season. Connor Joe has had moments of like brilliance, but other times is slumping like Elias Diaz right now, man, I, I, I appreciate what he brings to the table. I think he's got the skill set to be an effective big leader, but man, as we record today, he is like an automatic out right now. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's it's that. It's just like the Rockies' offense is not clicking. It's just not. And I know they've been hurt by Chris Bryant being out, and maybe you can say things like, oh, Diaz and, and Gritchick are aberrations or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, three seasons in a row with very good baseball players such as Trevor Story and, you know, all these other players, whether they're here or not, like, you can't tell me that that's not significant. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, like, yeah, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman. Yeah. This is not, like, people people harp on, on the Rockies, and, you know, sometimes rightfully so. But overall, it is not a talent-poor team. Exactly. But there's clearly stuff that needs to be fixed here. And and I'll start with Randall Gritchick, because you brought him up. Uh, Randall Gritchick, in his career, is a line-drive and fly-ball guy. And that's why we traded for him. And we gave away Rymel Tapia because, you know, Rymel had that just tremendous ground ball issue where he was always just hitting the ball into the dirt again and again and again. So we, we you know, trade him for uh, a guy who plays outfield but hits more line drives and more fly balls. And since coming to Colorado, Grichik is... His ground ball percentage coming into today's game is 55.5%. That is staggeringly higher than his career high in 2020, which was not a great season for him, of 42.6%. That's 13% higher. Meanwhile, his fly ball percentage and his line drive percentage are both career lows right now. So we took a guy who specialized in keeping the ball off the ground and made him into a guy who just drives the ball into a, into the dirt again and again and again, mm-hmm. just like Ramel Tapia was. And so you've got to wonder then, what if Ramel Tapia wasn't the problem? Because Tapia, over in Toronto, is having a pretty okay year, at least in terms of his batted ball rates, where Tapia's ground ball percentage is down to 46.5, still pretty high, but it's the lowest he's had since 2018. And... The the team as a whole is hitting a ton of ground balls. We've got one of the we've got the second highest ground ball percentage in the league behind the Washington Nationals, and it just it doesn't seem like we're doing anything to fix it. And it's the same as the pitching; it's both analytics and coaching. Because what what is one of the constants, Mac? You brought up that stat of you know historically for the team three worst seasons offensively in a row and that stat comes from Manny Randawa it's team OPS thank you brother. uh where the worst of all time is this year at 7. Point, at point seven zero nine. Second worst is 2020 at 0.716 and third worst is 2021 at 0.731 
And one of the consistents is that is our hitting coach, who is Dave Magadan. And Dave Magadan, lovely human being. He seems to be really liked by the people on his teams no matter where he goes. But he was fired by the Arizona Diamondbacks after the 2018 season for having them field with diminishing returns leading up to it, basically the worst offense in their team's history. And then since we brought him in, we hired him to be our manager after him being fired for that reason, to be the guy who was in charge of hitting. And now we've had these diminishing returns where every year it seems to get worse. And then right now we've got one of the worst offenses in team history, the worst offense in team history by team OPS. Mm-hmm. And we never hear from him. Like we never hear what, he's doing or what his approach is and i think that's really endemic of the rockies who have a very inconsistent and almost non-functional plate approach where it wildly changes and wildly fluctuates and you have some days like today's game against the padres going on right now cj crone has two home runs almost three randall gritchick hit a home run like offense seems to be clicking that's great but it's so inconsistent that you can't just go okay everything's fixed now because it seems like there's no such thing as a, a slump buster in this offense where cj crone will get red hot and then completely die off where connor joe is one of our best hitters and is really slumping really hard to taking some bad at bats which is not something we're used to him seeing and the biggest one for me of of Magadan's failure as a hitting coach with this team is Elias Diaz Mm -hmm. because we saw him turn into the defensive and offensive catcher that we have needed for a long, long time. And this year he has been so bad that he has basically lost his starting job to the rookie Brian Servan, where he's barely, he's barely staying above the Mendoza line. And uh, Patrick Saunders covered this in his uh, one of his more recent mailbags. He's talking about Elias Diaz and a lot that he has fallen into a lot of bad habits that he had when he was slumping at the beginning of last season, getting too much in his own head, gripping the bat too tight, not having a solid plate approach. These are all things that the hitting coach should be working to correct, mm. to be doing something. But we don't hear anything, and you see, you know, poor Elias go out there night after night and his bat is just a certified out and you can tell it's affecting his defense too because he's normally so so sure gloved so sure handed behind the dish and he's got a ton of errors and he's he's really not framing as well he's not throwing as well and it just all comes to what is this team doing to try and fix it and the answer is maybe nothing we don't know yep Mm mm-hmm and that reminds me of something, and I think this goes back to a organizational problem as well. I think about Carlos, Carlos Gonzalez. Many years ago, he was slumping really bad. So it was like that 2017-18 season. He was going through some slumps. He took it upon himself to realize, oh, I'm holding the bat wrong, and that's kind of hurting my swing. Nobody ever said anything to him. The hitting coaches never said anything to him to adjust something. And I think this goes back to that overall problem that they have is their inability to assess what's happening, assess symptoms, and then subscribe certain prescriptions to fix those things, fix those symptoms and illnesses. That's a funny thing that you brought up because we've had that even as recently as last season where – If you'll recall, it was Charlie Blackman going to the coaching staff and trying to come up with ideas to sort of negate the core's hangover. Mm -hmm. An idea from a player, not the coaching staff, to try and fix something that plagues the entire team. Yep. So yeah, this uh, this Rockies team. Let's do uh, let's to work on. I would say. (laughs) Yeah, I, like, I, I love I love the Rockies. You all know I do. We all do. But there have been so many nights this season where I've just been like, this team. Oh yep. my goodness. Because we're watching them have nine innings of amazing pitching and then blow it with an error in extras. Or have the offense completely die. Or the offense shows up for once, but the pitching just so completely implodes that it doesn't really matter. And, and that's frustrating because... 
again, this is a team that on paper, not, not that bad. And, you know, we're getting Chris Bryant back, but this team is performing so poorly that adding one player back, even if it's Chris Bryant, is not just going to fix things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it goes down to all of our frustrations is that the Rockies are still stuck. No, late 90s, early 2000s world mentality of thinking about baseball. Whereas in the year 2022, you got to have you know, a premium analytics department. You, know, you have to have plenty of guys that are willing to buy into that you know, as your coaching staff and development to utilize those tools so you can get the best out of your rotation. Because you know, we know this team has plenty of raw talent, athleticism, you know, great guys, great athletes. They're big leaguers, but they need help. And I think that's one of the bigger failings overall is that no, the Rockies have been able to help some guys with little minor adjustments and things, but there's so much more they could do to where anybody can come join the Rockies and they know they're going to get better. Just like the Dodgers told Yancy Almonte, we'll make you better. Can the Rockies honestly say that at the moment to any free agent? You know, we hear about, oh, this is a great place. There's a great atmosphere and all this stuff. No. Can they tell somebody, were they able to tell Chris Bryant, we'll make you better than you were with the Cubs? That's the real question, my friends. And it's unanswerable at this point. Yeah. <laughs> no way to say yes or no. So that's a fun little... <laughs> convo to have yeah super super positive and upbeat first half nice to the uh the podcast baby. here <laughs> we'll have to talk about sunshine and rainbows when we come back or something yeah. but well we do have some good things to talk about in the second half indeed but bottom line last thing i think the rockies just need to shake up their way of thinking let the past die move on from it kill it if you have to kill it well yes <laughs> yes Make Kylo Ren the, the general manager. You knew I had to get my reference in there somehow. Man. <laughs> but, yeah. So, frustrating time. Hopefully, one day in our lifetime, the Rockies will figure it out when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> so, fun stuff. But we're going to try and keep things more upbeat. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about actually some good things happening as of late. And, you no know, things on the horizon that we hope can happen here the rest of the season. So, stick around. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that ad break. Uh, a lot of heavy stuff that we talked about in the first half. Not our usual jokey party time that we have here at Affected by Altitude. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about movies as often as we should. Um, but we're going to start off the second half just with no one kind of sad, unfortunate thing this year. Uh, I guess we can just call it White House Down. Uh our president is out of commission for what looks like the rest of the season. Tyler Kinley uh, went on the shelf with an elbow injury. Looking like he's dealing with some ulnar nerve stuff, and that's always very dangerous and really concerning, and it looks like he is probably going to head to the shelf for the rest of the season, which is a huge blow to the Rockies' bullpen because, as we talked about before, the hail to the chief, more or less. The dude was... <laughs> Lights out all season. One of the best starts in Rockies history for a reliever in a season. Fortunately, out of commission for the rest of the year. So there goes one important cog in that bullpen. <laughs> Sad stuff. This one is a bummer. This is a huge bummer. And I think specifically, like obviously it's a huge bummer because he's been, as you mentioned, Skyler, probably their single best reliever this season. He's been you know, fantastic. But I think specifically the reason this is such a shame for Kinley is because it was such a return to form for him. Like, this is, I think, who they thought he was going to be. And maybe not like the sub one earned run average. Like, I don't think we, you know, thought he was going to keep that up all season. But I do think like when the Rockies signed Tyler Kinley, I think they thought they were going to get a plus reliever who could maybe fill the gap that was left by the unfortunate injury of Scott Oberg. And they have gotten that in spades this season. You know what I mean? Like, he has been so 
so good. Uh, better than I think any of us could have imagined, right? I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, at a time where, again, we just talked about how the pitching staff has kind of been in flux, trying to figure out, you know, what to do and what to fix. Tyler Kinley has been a breath of fresh air, and to lose him in the way that they have is such a shame. Obviously, I hope nothing but the absolute best for him. I hope that he can, you know, do whatever medical um, steps are necessary to get him back to 100% and come on back and take his time and and get back to being the reliever that he was. Yeah, that's just kind of it, unfortunately. Um, Miss the dude. Uh, those that, those I get well you too I guess specifically know that I'm a huge Kinley guy I you know love the I always say he's got that dog in him you know what I'm saying like I just think he's great and I hope to get him back here sooner than later and that's pretty much all there is to say about that yeah it's me. tough because it it's sort of just all piled on where it, we're talking you know 0.75 ERA and you know potential All Star berth and then. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to sit out the rest of the series because of the ulnar nerve thing. It's something he's dealt with before. Uh, it usually resolves on its own. To right. it's getting worse, and he needs additional testing. To not only does he have the nerve issue, but he has some other stuff that needs surgical cleanup. To his season's probably over. Yep. So that's it's a that's tough brutal. blow. It's kind of like when um, it's that feeling, same feeling as when we lost Scott Oberg, more or less. It is, and. Uh, the nice thing is that Kinley can return from this, whereas like with Oberg, it's his career is more or less done. But it is rough in a already poopy season, <laughs> pitching wise. In that bullpen, you lose a staple in it, and that's never fun. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, makes a speedy recovery. We get him back, ready to go for next season. And hey, he could fit in as a closer or just a late inning guy. Absolutely. So. Speedy recovery to our good buddy Tyler Kinley. Can you give me something positive? Four talk more about years. Four. Uh, <laughs> oh, Chris Bryant's almost back. Yeah, he is. So it looks like Chris Bryant, who's been only played in just a handful of games this year, going back out on a rehab assignment this weekend. Uh, in the upcoming Rockies road trip, when they head to Minnesota, they're hopefully going to see him back with the roster, which. Hopefully his back holds up, and we actually get to see Chris Bryant play baseball in a Rockies uniform more than one month this year. Which? What's the significance of Bryant coming back for the lineup, Evan? I mean, if he can, if having his back all fixed up uh, brings back his power stroke, he hadn't, in the 17 games he's played, and he's only played 17 games, we're on game 65 tonight. But he has zero home runs and not a ton of extra base hits. Lots of singles. And if being healthy and comfortable gets him to a point where he can have that power stroke and that extra base stroke, that's going to be really important because the Rockies, the lineup's been sort of very fluctuating in terms of who goes where. And, you know, Bryant was supposed to be that consistent three-hole hitter guy that we really haven't had this year and have sort of had to shuffle things around a lot but having him back is going to be huge i think also just for the morale of the team where sure you know he was brought in to sort of be a leader and then he's been just gone so much and i think having him back and being able being able to be on the field is going to be important for that mm-hmm. yeah totally agree yeah, with I you i think that's the the big thing is you no know, one is fans they spent all this money on chris bryant we want to see him play just because we know his pedigree and what he can do at the big league level, so if he can get, come back, have that power stroke, and just take good professional at-bats, because that's what he was doing mm-hmm. in that month of play. He took some good professional mm-hmm. at-bats and and whatnot, so I, I just we want to see more of that. <laughs> and, yeah, the Rockies will use the excuse that, oh, we just haven't had him all year, and that's why our offense terrible. He'll be a definite boost to have back in there. I think the morale thing, too, mm-hmm. is so good to mention, Evan, because, like, if, you know, he has said so many times that he's just really happy to be here and he wants to be successful here and he wants to bring a ring here and all that. And whether or not that ends up happening, like, just the fact that you have a superstar, and I do think Chris Bryant's a superstar, argue with yourself, but uh, I think the fact that you got a guy of his caliber saying stuff like that, it fires up the guys. You know what I mean? 
whether or not it ends up happening and whether or not that goes all the way towards you know, playoff berth, I think is sort of irrelevant at this juncture. You know, we've said it before, the Rockies are more than likely not going to make the playoffs this season. So to get your big star back and get your big offseason acquisition back in the lineup and, and fighting to, you know, pick up the guys around him and, as you guys have said, stabilize that offense, I think that's huge. I don't think there's any way to, you know, um, dismiss just, like, what it would mean to the team and the fan base to have him back in there. So I'm right, I'm exact with you guys. I think it's going to be really big for the Rockies and their fan base. And uh, it can't happen soon enough for me. Obviously, I want him to take the time to, you know, heal fully, make sure he's 100%, of course. But the second he gets back on the field and plays the rest of the season, I think it's going to be a really big boost for the Rockies, mm-hmm. definitely. So, yeah, so it'll be a big one. Uh, hopefully, see a lot of action from Chris Bryant in the near future, and he can finish out the season strong and then mm-hmm. be ready to go for next season, 2023. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, moving on, plenty of other stuff. Uh, kind of something we want to end on here on happy note. We've had a lot of, I guess, major league debuts this season. Uh, some highly anticipated, some, or at least the rest of these, very out of left field of them coming in. But we've had some fairly good MLB debuts. Elias Montero, Brian Servin, Chad Smith, Jake Bird, Sean Bouchard, Bouchard, however you say his name. Uh, <laughs> All these guys have been making their major league debuts this year. And kind of asking this question, who's impressed you the most? Who have you been most excited to see? Uh, yeah, who, who's been an impressive rookie so far this season for you? What do you think, Evan? I'll let you go first. You have a really good knowledge of the minor leagues that beats mine out. I think the guy everybody was most excited to see was Elias Montero, who uh, had two hits in his in his debut, and he's only played... I think two other games after that, he's sort of been shuffled back and forth. We're getting to the point where I think Montero and some of our other writers and maybe you guys too agree with me that he needs to be getting everyday big league at bats, if not now, then in the very near future. Uh, And of course, I think a lot of that depends on what this team looks like as we near the all-star break, but he's, he's the, the most impressive of the prospects. Uh, Chad Smith had a really, really good debut followed by a really, really bad second appearance, followed by a pretty solid third appearance. And then uh, Jake Bird had a had a great debut just the other day. The only one we're waiting for so far is uh, Sean Bouchard, who's with the team right now, and I'm hoping can get into the game, if not tonight, then tomorrow. Um, but the one who has impressed me the most, and it we're was the one on that. that I don't think we were expecting to see him, or at least not this soon, is the catcher Brian Servin, where Dom Nunez got sent down, Brian Servin got called up, and, you know, I hadn't been super impressed with his minor league career thus far, but he had been doing really well in Albuquerque this year, and he has been really good up here with with the big league club, and with with Diaz slumping, he's getting a, a really decent chunk of playing time, and I've been super 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 impressed with him where he's now got over 50 at bats uh and he's uh slashing 340 397 and uh 566 which for a rookie making his debut is really really good he's got nine rbi he's already hit three home runs including you know he had two in the in the same game 18 total hits He's also playing some solid defense, and his his arm is looking pretty good. And I can't help but be impressed, because I was not expecting him to be even up, you know, this this early in the year, if at all, let alone to be playing as well as he has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have very little dad. I think you're exactly right. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Brian Servin. And, you know, like you said, a guy, as a guy who I don't think had sort of the same, um, I don't think he had quite the same, uh, what's the nice way to say this, expectations as maybe a guy like Elihiros Montero. But I think Brian Servin has been fantastic. Uh, what a breath of fresh air he's been behind the plate. As you mentioned, his DS has struggled mightily throughout this season. I'm very happy with what I'm seeing out of this guy. I'm looking to see more of him. I want to see what he can do, uh, get some more big league at-bats. He might surprise you, man. What if he ends up being a guy that the Rockies use for the future? You know what I mean? And really staples himself 
in that catching spot. I'm really, really happy with Brian Servan, and I hope he keeps it up. What do you got on this, Skyler? No, yeah, I think that's the the big thing where no, Brian Servan has just made the most immediate impact because he's getting the most action. Mm-hmm. No, I think if Montero, like we've talked about before, gets regular playing time, he has a chance to do some really special stuff. Brian Servan, you know, being kind of expected to be just a backup rookie catcher while Dom Nunez went down, you know, and then he's ended up being the most, I guess, productive catcher we have at the moment while Diaz has struggled. You know, and the Rockies really challenged Servan to to get better with his def or get better with his offense and everything. So he's been spectacular in everything that he's done. You know, and it's nice to see pitchers come in and generally, you know, at least have a good outing. You know, we don't want a Jose Mujica situation again where he comes on yeah. bases loading and gives up a grand slam. Right. You no, know, but Jake Bird throwing scoreless inning. Chad Smith, you no know, mixed bag, but still fairly good. Arms, and we haven't seen John Bouchard yet, but Bouchard. Butchard. <laughs> Whatever his name is, uh, we'll figure it out eventually. Or at least I will. <laughs> but uh, these guys, they have expected. But these are guys that a lot of them aren't the highly tutored prospects. You know, looking up, Richard wasn't even on the Purple Row Perps list preseason uh, that I could find, at least in the top 30. You know, so not on anybody's radar, but then he has a fantastic last couple of seasons. Gets a chance at the big league level to at least be there, get some experience. It's just nice, an indication that the Rockies are willing to bring up some of these guys to help a roster that's really struggling. You know, we saw Sam Hilliard go down now to AAA. Uh, we've seen some of these other guys either go on the injured shelf, other things, so it's opening up doors for them to kind of get some new blood in there. Mm-hmm. Which, hey, the thing that's what we were talking about before in the first half is just get some new blood in there, get some new ideas Definitely. and faces. So it's good on all of them, but... Way to go, Brian Servant. Yep. And quick sidebar, if you want to learn, learn more about who the Rockies could call up throughout the season, make sure you check out the Pebble Report podcast with our boys Justin and Kenneth, who are always breaking down the Rockies minor leagues. Uh, Evan and Skyler have both mentioned in the past that the Rockies minor league system has a lot of prospects, more kind of more on the low end as opposed to in AAA. So make sure you guys check out uh, the Pebble Report guys as well, get some information on that. Yeah, I, I like to say our our farm system is deceptively deep and very bottom yes. heavy. Yes. Um, to the point where AAA, there's not really a lot of our our big name guys up there, and a lot of the guys we've seen uh, do interesting things are are players who have not really been on that you know top thirty prospect list or on our perps rankings, but they've done really great things. Well, sort of flying under the radar, uh, both Jake Bird and Chad Smith uh, have been doing really, really well in AAA Albuquerque, where Jake Bird's had a, had quietly a very strong minor league career. And Chad Smith, before he came to Colorado, he had never he had barely played above uh, A ball. He had played like 10 games in AA. We assigned him straight wow. to AAA, and he's now had two really solid seasons there. And I think it's time for both of these guys to really have extended time in the majors to see how they can contribute. It's just, it's time. And May as well, right? It's the same for a lot of the other guys. If the Rockies are going to be bad, then you want to see as much of the young talent as you possibly can. And it, we're at a weird point in time because, like I said, our our uh, our minor league system very bottom-heavy. It's like a ton of our big guys are in Spokane or in Fresno. But there are people that we can be calling up and seeing what we've got. And, like, El Harris Montero, of course, is a top prospect. But, you know, Brian Servin, Chad Smith, Jake Bird, Sean Bouchard, those guys aren't, but still deserve mm. the, the shots to see what they can do. Same with Alan Trejo. And, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of stuff that we can, we can do to sort of facilitate that. If the Rockies are going to be bad, this is going to be a very different-looking team, I think, or hopefully, uh at the trade deadline where, you know, ideally you would probably move Iglesias and Colome and, and some other people even, but we're at a point where there's not a whole lot to lose by letting these kids have some playing time. And mm-hmm. that can work out really well in some cases, like Brian Servan, 
yeah, you know, it, it helps give guys some action that they may otherwise not have gotten. Very true. But, you know, and I think, you know, when a season's lost, it's good to just, you know, like we mentioned before, start shuffling, giving some guys some shots who can, you know, maybe help you win baseball games in the near future. Mm-hmm. You know, bring in another group of Chuck's children. You know, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> it's just good to see guys getting getting a chance who have, you know, been doing so many good things down in AAA or down in the minors getting a chance to contribute at the big league level, you know, or guys that maybe aren't doing, aren't going to get a shot here with the Rockies, send them off, get, so they can have a chance somewhere else, like yes. uh, Winton Bernard, things like that. You know, Absolutely. He's been stellar down in AAA with Albuquerque. He's not a a, <laughs> a young duckling anymore. No, so let him Maybe send him off somewhere, get you some depth pieces, and he can help the Rockies in a different way, if not playing on the big league roster. Things to think about. A lot um, of options. Yeah, a lot of options out there. Trade deadline, August 2nd. We got over a month. It's coming up. Still to go. It's going to be really interesting to see how this deadline goes, especially if you know what we thought about last season with maybe Bill Schmidt didn't really have much actual power at the deadline. Uh, if he's got it now, let's see what he does. Yep. How aggressive will he be? Uh, where are our former draft picks and stuff that he helps select and sign? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For what it's worth, bringing back Case Williams has really been been interesting. He's strung together a bunch of really good starts. He really had his first straight up bad start of the year this week and overall has been been really solid down in low a fresno where he'll get sort of rattled around for for a lot of base runners but it never really bothers him to the point where he's not getting a quality start it's another guy can make a difference at the big league level there you go speaking of guys at the big league level uh, as we close this one out really quickly um we did talk about the pitching and hitting and everything that have struggled. We'll give credit where credit is due where you know, during this most recent road trip and you know, even here in this homestand somewhat, uh, the starting rotation and pitchers in there have really had some really good outings you know, overall pitching-wise, and it was just the offense that really had nothing going for it. But Herman Marquez had some stellar starts on the road in San Francisco, oh, here at home, Sensatella, Freeland, no, Ryan Feltner has been a nice surprise. Gomber and Cool have had their moments out there, but overall that rotation is starting to slowly maybe get back to at least a more average level of production that we've seen them do, but overall at least doing a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we just spent the full first half talking about how, like, the Rockies pitching staff is so suspect. But you're exactly right. Credit where it's due. The Rockies pitching staff was putting together a nice string of games of quality starts in a row. And, you know, that's all you can really ask for at this point. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be, you know, whatever. But, like, in a, in a time, like we've said, where there are so many question marks about the coaching staff and the rotation for the future and all that, like... This is good to see. And you never know. Like, maybe maybe Chad Cool. we talked about the trade deadline, maybe on a one-year deal, there's a playoff team that could use a fifth starter, right? Like, if Chad Cool keeps putting up solid numbers, maybe he could be a trade piece. Um, you know, Marquez, obviously, and Tenzatella and um, Freelander are around for the long haul. Finish, finish out strong. Uh, you had some pretty rough months to open the season. Not, nobody's saying you can't finish the season off strong and, and start taking strides towards, you know, more complete seasons in 2023 and 24 and beyond and all that. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it is nice to see and I'll take it where I can get it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And having having Marquez and Senzi and, and Kyle all string together a couple quality starts in a row has to have you hoping that they're at least turning corner, at least especially for Herman, who yeah, absolutely brutal start to the season for him first two months and then now he's got his first two consecutive quality starts and if he can keep that going then maybe you know i 
I doubt any one of our starting pitching staff is going to be an all-star this year. But all you can really do, like you said, is try and end things out on a high note. Finish out, go the rest of the season, and and pitch the best of your abilities. And with, with Chad Cool, he's even a guy where if he does well enough, I'd consider keeping him around, actually, because the Rock, for the Rockies, you know, what's always been a problem with us, it's uh, rotational depth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's good to at least see them. You know, it's nice when your starting rotation can kind of string things together for a bit, but that doesn't excuse the fact that the Rockies have really struggled across the board this year with developing and you know, helping maximize these guys' talents. But, hey, they've had some good good stints here and there. Take it where we can. Exactly. That, that's baseball, as Harry Black says. That's right. That's baseball. <laughs> that is baseball. That is baseball. But I think that's going to do it here for our late night edition of Affected by Altitude. Uh, thank you so much for joining along with us. And definitely be sure to reach out here and talk to us on the Twitters. Check us out on the Purple Rose. Uh, Max, Max, Mac. <laughs> Stranger Things 4 here. Mac. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, where can Vecna find you? Oh, don't even. Yo, I'm not trying to mess with that. Uh, you guys can find me at Twitter, at Cormac Battle Pro, which is at C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. Talk to me about wrestling. There's a lot of wrestling news going on these days that we can't get into on this podcast, but there is a lot to talk about there. But obviously hit me up any single time y'all want about Rocky's information and talks and news and all that. And catch my game recaps Tuesdays and Fridays. I appreciate you guys listening in, as always. Very grateful to have the opportunity to work with Purple Row and these great friends of mine, as I always do. You're welcome, Max. Aw. <laughs> Good. How about you, Evan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang27. I'd always love to hear from you. Uh, you can also hit us up at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. Uh, catch me on Purple Row doing my Thursday rock piles. My most recent one is about an 18-year-old pitcher who's really killing it down in Fresno named Victor Juarez. And I'd be thrilled if you check that out. And then uh, you can also catch me for game coverage most Sundays. And then, uh, Skyler, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me where your heart desires. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, I'm a little bit out of the Rockies loop, getting a little bit more out of the Rockies loop these days, uh, working the Northern Colorado Owls and whatnot. However, you can always find me doing my Sunday rock piles. And I believe this week, I'm going to write about our old Chuck Nasty reaching 10 years of service time. So congrats to Chuck. Our f- also, just as a sidebar, when we record tonight on Friday, uh, Charlie Blackman had a triple, which puts him all-time leader on Rockies triples. How about that? crazy stuff man he's killing it isn't he he is a good baseball player turns out yes he is (laughs) so you can spoilers spoilers for the article (laughs) (laughs) that you read yesterday turns out blackman's halfway decent (laughs) so you can find that purple row everything on the twitters and as always we all kind of pick up news articles as they happen so always be sure to check out purple row and at purple row on twitter you can also find them on Instagram, but I don't think they post as much. But you can find them in the stories. Why not? There you go. But that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Again, as always, we appreciate you listening in with us and sharing your inputs and comments and all of that good stuff. And continuing the conversation because it's the only way we can get through a rocky season is together. Ah, that's exactly <laughs> that's right. That's the feel-good special episode. <laughs> Of Affected by Altitude. A very special episode of Affected by Altitude. The real contending was the friendship we found along the way. Aww. Put that on a bumper sticker. And it's revealed that Evan is Mac's father. Whoa. I'm old. I'm not that old. (laughs) Amazing. A very special episode reunion. (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to get out of here. We're going crazy. (laughs) Finish this thing off. Late. Yeah, it's like so 9 much. o'clock right now. <laughs> yeah, that's late for me, dog. I'm an old man. Yeah, that's pretty late for all of us. Skyliver, for all time's sake, brother, why don't you hit it with him? <clears throat> nice on. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> Goodbye. Farewell.
nice on, I swear.